Welcome to Cordell and Cordell's Men's Divorce Podcast, moderated by managing partner and CEO Scott Trout, bringing you information for guys before, during, and after divorce, and everything related to family law. This podcast is not to be taken as legal advice, and no attorney-client relationship is established. Hey, welcome back to the Cordell and Cordell Men's Divorce Podcast. I'm Scott Trout, CEO and Managing Partner, Cordell and Cordell. And uh, as we continue to bring you information for everything related to family law before, during, and after divorce, and and today's a good segue to our last podcast where we talked a little bit about what you should wear, and we got into details uh, about kind of what influences the judge. And I mentioned about it being appearance and presentation. And actually, since we're transitioning from appearance to presentation, I'm joined by Kumita over in Baltimore. Welcome. Hi, Scott. Thanks for having me again. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, let's talk about it. This is a good one. How to be the star witness in your case? Because again, I, we literally talked about what to wear, color, shirt, you know, what color pants, you know, what, you know, what it's going to look like and how important that is and not wearing a hat. Don't chew gum. Don't be disheveled. Um, and now we're taking it to the next step. Now that guys have that information, now they need to know how to be an effective witness or a really good star witness. So let's start with what do they need to know before they even get into the courtroom and testify? I mean, before they get in the courtroom, I mean, the best, the biggest thing to know is no one else can tell your story the way you tell it, right? I mean, it's your divorce. Only you know the relationship between you and your wife, you and your kids. So testifying is important. I mean, I have clients that ask me, am I going to testify? You are, unless there's some sort of criminal charge. And that's a story for another day. But yeah, it's definitely important to know that and know what you will be testifying to. I mean, any Cordell attorney will go over what they're going to ask you and let you see the exhibits, what they're going to show you beforehand. Um, So knowing that, knowing kind of the dates and the context of all those exhibits is very important too. And then just, you know, I'm sure you already hit on this with the, the last podcast, but you know, judges' role is there to judge you. That literally is what they do. And they are looking at every optic they can because it is your word against hers a lot of the time. Yeah. I mean, I think we do it all the time. In, uh, let's just choose politics. You watch someone, you listen to them, you look at their mannerisms. Are they believable? We're judging them. And so why would a judge in a family court be any different? Right? Exactly. So I think it's always good to walk clients through what it's going to look like, who's going to be in the courtroom, who else will be there. And knowing that as you're kind of thinking through, are there other witnesses? Can you exclude witnesses? Uh, Are you going to have support family members, friends to be there with you and kind of walking people through? And that's equally important. Right. Um, And a lot of people ask me that too. So if somebody's testifying, they, we always ask that they be, you know, out of the courtroom so that that testimony isn't interfered with by hearing someone else's. But if it's just somebody's grandma there to support their daughter or whoever, they're allowed to be there. And I know it does make people uncomfortable, but that's something that you've got to get used to. You know, this is your private life gone public. And unfortunately, this is a public courtroom unless they're a witness. So they, they can, they do have the right to sit there um, and just know how you, not to react to that is really important yeah. as well. So, you know, in our COVID era and post-COVID era, we've all had to adopt to just like this, kind of a, a video conference. And, you know, we're still doing a little bit of video um, conferences. We're not doing video trials anymore, but some counties outside of St. Louis are. So what if someone watching, and I know there are cities and 
uh, counties around the country that are still remote um, with their video conference. So are there suggestions on what, what people should do if there be a video? Is there a difference? Yeah, I definitely, I mean, I think you should treat it like it's the same, dress like it's the same, act like it's the same. Um, but think about all the other things that can go wrong with the video. You have a distracting background. The photo that comes up when you don't have your camera on is something weird. Um, there's just a lot of things that can go wrong that look strange in Zoom court. Um, even just the angle of your camera, it's, you know, if you're like from your car and you're looking down at your phone, that's you look like you're looking down at the court. So that could that itself is, you know, going to rub somebody the wrong way. You really have to think that, you know, just because you're not in front of a judge physically, yeah. think about it, you know. Yeah. I mean, like my same. my background, you know, you see cars going in the background, trucks. But uh, my point is always don't do anything that's a distraction or an excuse to the judge. Right. And that's your point is maybe this, you know, this noise back here on the interstate is distracting to the judge. So do a, you know, like what you have is a still background, something clean, you know, whatever that may be. And again, staying in one place I had, I just did, I was doing a deposition recently via video and all the entire depot was a giant dog barking in the background or leaping up onto the attorney's lap. And it was just so distracting. And I, I began losing focus. I mean, something as simple as that, chewing gum. We talked about that. Eating, drinking, smoking. Uh, those are important. Or your name. I don't know if you saw came into the uh, video where someone put um, their name was not a very nice name. I don't know if you saw that on TikTok. Oh, I didn't see that. Oh, yes. And the judge, somebody played a trick on him and changed the name uh, so that it was derogatory and judge was none too happy guy had no idea uh things like that right you just got to check it and so it set the tone for everything that guy was in trouble period simply because something happened he didn't have any control well didn't do he had control over it so very interesting so um even how do you talk to the judge do you look at the judge what do you call the judge your honor judge commissioner i mean that's important right yeah, definitely. I mean, your honor, for sure, at least here in Maryland, it's definitely your honor. Um, you know, when I do talk to my clients about how to get dressed, I sometimes I'll say Sunday best because I think that gives people, you know, generally we have an idea of how you behave in place of worship and courtrooms are designed to look like churches. I mean, they have the pews, they have the judge up high and that's for a reason you're supposed to show that kind of respect. So if you think of it that way, it does set the tone for the kind of respect you're supposed to show to the judge. Yeah. So uh, if you have friends coming to testify, family come in to testify, uh, should you have a conversation with them about also what to wear, how to behave, how to speak so that they give credibility to your case? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like you were saying about distractions, the same thing is if you have family members in the back who can't keep quiet are reacting to everything that your wife is saying on the, to the stand, you know, making comments ruining the record and distracting the judge, especially that's all going to reflect poorly on you. Mm -hmm. um, so, and your attorney is not going to know these people all that. Well, we don't, I don't know if somebody's cousin is a loud mouth. I can't control it, but you can. So you do also have that kind of responsibility that if whoever you want to come support you knows they need to behave because that, even if they're not testifying, they will still impact you. Yeah. Rambling going on and on. I, I have plenty of clients that do that, that, uh, you know, when I, I saw a preparation where what time, do you know what time it is? 
And they answered, well, yeah, sure. It is one uh, five. Well, that's not what I asked. Do you know what time it is? Yes, I do. And stop. Right. I mean, you could ramble on and on about the time. Well, that's central standard time, which is, you know, one hour behind Eastern or, you're, you know, it's, you could do that. The rambling is a problem. Yeah, definitely a problem because it also, um, it's another thing that kind of does the opposite of distracting a judge, right? It kind of bores them. You can notice. I mean, I always try to keep an eye on a judge when my client is testifying because it also controls my speed and cutting in and that sort of thing because you can see when a judge is getting bored, right? You yeah. want to, it's a little, it's a fine line that your attorney, a good attorney, a Cordell attorney, of course, yeah. will always prepare you for is you've got to be succinct, but also elaborate enough so that it it stays in your mind and you can also kind of turn back to that point like a theme throughout your case so that you make sure it sticks into the judge's mind if you are a rambler um and i know sometimes you can't control nervous habits like this i mean i'm a fidgeter 100 so you know you mentioned distraction or getting bored i have i i've told this story for years i practiced in georgia when we opened us opened up our atlanta office and I had finished up our case and uh, opposing party, the wife was rambling, going on and on for hours. The judge got bored and picked up a newspaper, kicked up his feet on the bench and began reading a newspaper just literally in front of, and, it, and we knew at that point we had won because he had he'd lost complete interest in the story and, and couldn't tell where what direction they're going. So that's just a classic example of how to prepare and how you can lose a judge. They're human. Uh, we all lose an attention span in a short period of time. So you got to keep their attention. For a lot of times, yeah, the other witness stand also is such that you can look at the judge and, and you yourself can also mm-hmm. gauge, oh, this person is not paying attention to right. what I'm saying. I need to slow it down or I need to be more succinct. I had a client um, say on the stand, boy, she's a but I love her. And I'm like, hmm, we talked about that. Let's try not to use incendiary words. language right that's a no-no right yeah absolutely i kind of i guess sometimes i always think that's common sense but no i mean it kind of does go back to treating it like you would a a place of worship you know you're not going to swear in front of a priest you're not going to or pastor you're not going to swear in front of a judge right i mean it's easy because you're emotional and it's an emotionally charged um, life and event and everything's coming down and you know again you get you get caught in rambling you're likely to do that that's a no-no um, the hardest thing to prepare someone for is cross-exam. Big one, right? Yeah, definitely. Because that's really where your emotions get tested. Um, the other party's attorney is going to want to catch you in a lie. And they're also going to want to, they're asking you what's called leading questions. They're asking you questions that basically are what they want you to say and yes or no. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And they want to get into this flow of you admitting you're wrong or whatever, to create their record, but you really have to take it upon yourself to stop and think about the question so that you don't buy into their flow. And also that if there is a response that you were able to give, give the response, give an explanation. Don't just yeah. accept that, you know, no, I didn't do this. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, don't be in a rush is so important when you're listening because, and I tell my clients, you know, this, we're going nowhere. You have as much time as you want to respond. You know, take it, listen to the question. You know, you're going to be anxious to hurry to answer it because you want to win, but your best to say, sit, you know, it's someone who's really good at this was president Clinton. He would take a question and he'd go, "Hmm." and he did it because it was just this pregnant pause. They called this wonderful pause 
to emphasize the answer, but it also gives you a chance to really think through your answer before you give it and be careful, cautious, direct, deliberate. Um, I think that's key in, in your demeanor because if you don't, it can lead to anger, sarcasm, whatever that may be, right? Right. And that's, I mean, that's a big point too, is getting angry. Men are kind of at a disadvantage there, right? Like men are not really socialized to be in touch with their feelings, to be vulnerable. And so the reaction there then to things that irk you is to get angry. And nobody really likes an angry man. That, again, the courthouse is not the place for it. Um, so you really do have to remember to keep your emotions in check. Yeah. That, you know, good example. I, I was, um, it's an odd, I like to watch, um, congressional testimony, uh, because those witnesses, those people speaking before Congress on whatever that may be, are so well coached. So I was watching one the other day, and it's always, you know, thank you, Congressman. That's a great question. And they, the Congressman wanted a yes or a no, but that witness was having none of it. They were getting caught up in forming the answer that the attorney or the Congressman wanted. And then they go and they stick kind of, they answer it, but they stick with why. You know, the question was, did you tweet this? Well, I think, thank you. It's a good question, Congresswoman, because you're taking out of context my tweet, but, you know, and never really directly admitting. I think that it's an art of preparation, but it's also not getting caught in the yes, no, and just leaving it at that because it could hurt your case. And also, I mean, like focusing on, you know, you're not divorcing your wife's attorney. They're just a person that's doing the same job that your attorney is going to be doing. And that's telling their story. Um, so focus on the, the fact that this is just another person doing their job, that there's a judge there, you know, listening to everything you say. And don't pay attention to your ex making faces, reacting, her family reacting, you know, to anything you're saying. You know, don't allow that to change your testimony or make you want to change your testimony. And speaking of changing your testimony, one thing I forgot to ask was don't talk about something you haven't discussed with your attorney before you get on the stand, right? Yes. That's such a big one. I, um, we were talking about this earlier. I almost forgot to put it in this outline, but that's such a big thing on both direct and cross-examination. You know, I, especially I go over my questions with my clients, but sometimes it can get a little bit tangenty. And so we're kind of having a discussion. So it's not like they're super mentally prepared to be there, be with the judge, have opposing counsel watch you. Yeah. Um, so it's really important that your lawyer knows everything, what you're going to say to them, but also what the opposing counsel is going to bring up. If you have skeletons in your closet, your attorney needs to know because we can't address it. And you're going to testify like you feel guilty about it, like you are ashamed of it because you didn't think it was going to get brought up. You need right. to approach it with your attorney first, make sure they know about it so you can handle it. Bad right. facts are just bad facts and you need to own up to it and figure out a way to address it that is appropriate for court. Yeah. And a big no-no is that um, you watch it in criminal trials, uh, a reaction to a witness. So one that was good, If you did you watch or if anybody watched the Johnny Depp trial? Uh, mm -hmm. Again, I was really enamored by the preparation and Johnny Depp was stone faced for the most part throughout the entire trial, no matter what was being said by either Amber Heard or any of her witnesses. Now, there was an occasional smirk, which but it was it was OK. It wasn't this kind of the word bombastic or very crazy, you know, slamming. A, a, I've had clients slam a, a legal pad or throw a pen or audibly say, you know, you're full of X. Right. It's a, that's a no, no. 
And, over, and overreacting is a, is a bad thing by the client when the opposing party's on the stand. Yeah, exactly. When the opposing party's on the stand, it looks bad on you. The judge is watching every single thing, even when the judge is giving their decision. You know, you have to be respectful at all times and let your lawyer handle it. Like you are paying a person, yeah, for their their to do their job, but also to make it easier for you. And it's this horribly emotional time. And it's hard to deal with the divorce. You know, this is like the second thing, the worst thing in life besides death. So it's kind of like there's a reason that you have this advocate with you. Let them handle it. Let them behave in the way that they know is proper and just at best stick like Don, Johnny Depp and just be stone faced. Mm-hmm. No eye rolling. Right. Um, you know, the thing is, I give my clients a pad of paper and I said, look, if you are angry at what was just said, write it out. That person is full of and just write it out and or scribble or just draw whatever you need to do. Draw, you know, terrible things on a piece of paper. Just don't auto visually let it be seen. Act as though like, who was um, I'm thinking Cowboys football. Um, a coach one time said. No need to celebrate when you're in the end zone. Act like you've been there before. And it's kind of the similar, don't overreact. And, you know, the worst thing is if you overreact, it looks like you're angry that they're telling the truth rather than just sitting there and the judge doesn't know what the truth is and is trying to figure out. And and the judge is going to look at you for a reaction and see what happens, right? Absolutely, yeah. So, um, and we just talk about reaction and that there's time and place for it. It's take a break, go in, you know, outside the chambers and do what you need to do with your attorney and explain it. Cause we do want that input. We want to hear some reaction. That's why I was given a pad of papers, write down questions, write down points, write down the lies that you think were, were stated. And then we can go over that. So it's outside of the courtroom, right? Right. I mean, that's exactly what I do is I bring my client a pad for that reason, but I've never actually thought to say like, doodle, do something. That's actually such a great idea. But yeah, that's why I've written because also everything in the courthouse is being recorded, right? So your conversation with your attorney, unless you press an off button and your mic, you can hear it when you get a transcript. You can hear it when you get an audio recording. Um, And it's very important to preserve a record because if you need to appeal your case, most everything relies on that transcript. Right. And so some judges, it's it for me, it's very infrequent, will read their decision from the bench. I mean, I've had it happen maybe, I mean, I've been doing it a long time, maybe five times. So ours just don't. In Missouri, you're going to wait months to get an order, unless it's even like a temporary, even a temporary, it's unlikely. It's usually judges don't like to invite reaction because they know it's going to happen. But if the judge does, how should you behave? That's the question. That is a funny thing because we are the exact opposite here. Getting Some judges will do like a disposition hearing, but for the most part, we usually do get a decision that day. It's more odd on the other hand. So it is very hard. And I mean, even I'm so like emotionally engaged at that point that if it's like a decision, like I'm kind of like, you know, but you know, you do need to um, just remind yourself, you are still being judged. This is an oral opinion. It's not even reduced to an order. They can change it in Maryland law. They can change it between their oral opinion and their order. So don't do anything that would piss off the judge, yeah. even when they've made their decision. Let your lawyer handle it. Write down your questions or what you think is not fair and discuss it with your lawyer. They will give you the assurances you need and a plan of action moving forward. Yep. Well, it's good stuff. Hopefully, you guys took some notes. If not, they can re-listen to this. So thanks for joining today. Appreciate it. All right. Until next time, have a great yeah, week. Until next time. 